I'm Jeremy Greer. And I'm Gary Butterfield. And this is Days of Future Cast, where we're covering, we are covering Days of Future Past. And we're definitely not going to get those two confused at all on these next two episodes, Gary. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I'm not looking forward to saying the name of any of this stuff. Uh, maybe we uh, should maybe we should yeah. call the podcast something else. We could just name it like Dafka. Like it just, yeah, just <laughs> Dafka. <laughs> this is the German podcast Dafka. It is about the X Men. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Just Kurt Wagner. Um this is a big one. Yeah. But I didn't realize uh that we were just going from Age of Apocalypse to like the inspiration for Age of Apocalypse. Yeah, this feels um exceedingly like it feels like in almost in the same vibe right like it feels it definitely feels like this was the inspiration for that i feel like this does most everything that age of apocalypse does except better and shorter and like a more compressed kind of way um and also with uh some political commentary that i had either forgotten or just put out of my mind since the last time i read this and man just what like a triumph of two issues of comic books like i and I'm so enamored of this of this just small little thing that they did out of nowhere. I I uh it's really interesting uh Days of Future Past because I had to think about it. I wasn't reading comics in 1981. I was one. Um but the idea of this coming up in context, like you're just reading normal comics and then all of a sudden you're blasted into the future with uh alternate versions of the characters, like that's really fucking cool. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, it wasn't an event, it wasn't like Hey, buy everything in this series. It was just here's a little time travel story. The uh, that's really cool. The hit TV show Dollhouse tried to do this, but only on their season finales, <laughs> so it didn't really oh. work out that well. <laughs> the uh, you fucked up, Whedon. You fucked up, Whedon, uh, in a lot of ways. When we're uh, talking about Dollhouse, you fucked up, but you know those. <laughs> yeah, this is a specific fuck up. Um, the uh, well, even the the one that got away tweet about Hillary Clinton isn't even. In the same sphere. Um, <laughs> we don't care what you said about Batwoman's feet, okay? That's not what we're here for right now. <laughs> yeah, sure. yeah. Um, this is also the first time we've done uh, a Claremont comic. And Claremont has like a style. Um, I, I love these two issues. It takes a second for me to get back into gear where I can handle, uh, like th- this is the least charitable way I can put this. Uh, the X-Men being fucking idiots. Do you, do you, do you want to try a most terrible way next? <laughs> the most terrible way would be like the X-Men uh, in the middle, like n- ignoring stakes. Okay. You know, like, and this is the X-Men are always going to be dumb. We're, we're never going to have the X-Men not be dumb. But there's like parts in this where it's like Wolverine's going to drain Pyro's fuel tank before Pyro kills congress and storm's like no and just blast wolverine out of the way so he can't puncture the fuel tank uh so pyro gets to fuck them all up like it's really weird how much time they spend in the middle of battle talking about uh the ethics like stuff that should have been covered in on training day yeah for the x-men but it's <laughs> like, wolverine like an ethics danger room <laughs> you can't trust that dude to remember anything <laughs> that's true it's he's healing uh you know he's healing over his memories um i just it, there's a couple parts in this where i'm just like man just eyes on the prize storm god damn it make <laughs> focus this um think of the greater good for a second this comes up a lot with storm because she had just recently been promoted to team leader and was still feeling a lot of like uh um not feeling very confident in her abilities to do so so like there's a lot of like well if cyclops was here he would be doing da 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 from both yeah. like the brotherhood of evil that we're gonna fight and also storm herself um which is you know it's it's weird reading these 
like older issues of X-Men nowadays because like thought bubbles are combined with narration and then the, con- the constant yeah. like I have to tell you what happened in the last issue in this middle of this conversation and then like weird reveals that happened like in two panels where Mystique is like ask your mom Kurt peace yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, what the? Uh, the the thought bubble thing is very funny there are like legitimate laugh out loud panels in this where like someone gets shot or something and then they think four paragraphs yeah like, in the moment <laughs> just like I know that's just comics but it's 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 gone really out of style it, it has uh, and, that. and that's the thing that's like always like when I go back to these early series that's the thing when you talked about adjusting like even just the, at the very beginning where you have uh, Kate thinking stuff and then also a narrator telling you about the things that she's thinking and I'm like okay we got to figure out a way to streamline this man I don't know what yeah. we're doing and they did you can do one yeah. or the other and comic books yeah. have done this right like they, they have figured how what better way to tell these kind of stories or better way to get this stuff across so yeah i also the last thing i want to say that's kind of just uh you know young kid complains about the olds uh you know how they used to do this is these old comics flatten a lot of characterization um i cannot stand the way that mystique is characterized in these issues i've gotten so accustomed to like kind of fun or at least like a little bit like unique mystique but mystique in this is all just like no quarter asked and none given for you have messed with the, <laughs> you know, the embodiment of your fears for the last time, human. The Brotherhood of Evil Mutants will punish thee. Like, everyone talks in that Claremont shit, and it's so weird for Mystique to do it because I'm so used to a Mystique that was uh, at least partially informed by the movie Mystique. Um, you know, Mystique eventually became kind of like, uh, like the word I, I on the tip of my tongue is fun, but that's not it. Like a little bit more casual and a little bit more nuanced and a little bit less of like a Shakespearean silver age Marvel villain. Yes, absolutely. You know, um, all of the like villain characters, I think in this, um, are like, everybody feels a little flat, like you said, but like the villains, especially, um, I, I keep, I couldn't help but compare and contrast this with like some of the events of days of future past the movie. Um, Mm -hmm. and actually like came away thinking that that was an even better adaptation of this, um, than I thought it was originally because, you know, doing like not having the brotherhood and like getting that distilled down to mystique and giving mystique like a bunch of backstory of why she would want to do that in the first place made that have a lot more stakes than what this feels like, which is we're going to kill you to show you that mutants are really bad. And (laughs) you think mutants are bad? Wait until one kills you. Then what do you think? <laughs> on the yeah. Senate floor too. Like imagine fucking Bernie Sanders doing a filibuster, like trying to get, you know, just a, a trickle of money into our Medicare system and then Mystique shows up and is like, actually <laughs> Yeah, the the uh the, I need to teach Mystique about optics. Yeah. You know, like sure. <laughs> you just need to learn a little bit about how this shit's gonna come off. And like because it's, you know, whatever the, this dark age, this like silver age, dark age straddling thing. When characters try to explain this kind of thing, nobody listens. Everyone just kind of shouts declarative statements. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying that wasn't a thing in Age of Apocalypse, right? Like, I think that uh, those were cheesier and really decompressed and took too long and everything. But there was a thing where, uh, you know, you'd have a character who was like, I'm a joker. Like, I'm in it to see the world burn. I don't have an incoherent political ideology. Whereas we end up with Mystique, which has kind of an incoherent you know, and, and just like shooting herself in the foot politics that like end up being a little bit frustrating. Like, I think that this, that is a character that has been like heavily redeemed yeah, uh, in comics and just made into what she ultimately could have been. 
And here she's pretty generic and shitty. Um, but you know, it's, it's fun to watch fights. Like you get a fight with these classic X-Men villains and I'm here for that. And I'm here for all the future shit. At one point, Wolverine has a laser belt buckle. It looks like he like zaps an elevator <laughs> with his dick. Yeah, so good, um, man. The, uh, the, the weird justifications that the comic books go through to just, to just to have the characters be doing something like, I don't really need you to spend two panels on uh storm unlocking a door. Like you, you could just yeah. like, you could literally just show her snapping her fingers and some lightning pops out. And then all of a sudden they're walking in. And like, I would believe you more than like having a big thing about her experience in Cairo as a girl. And I think that's something that the comic books nowadays yeah. have come back, have, have done way better in, in the modern. Yeah. Times. Yeah. Claremont was horrible about that. Yeah. Like Claire, can you imagine hanging out with storm <laughs> like Claremont storm and just being constantly reminded she was a thief in Cairo? Like just we get non-stop. it. Calm down. Okay. Like you're walking through a home Depot and she just like points towards the, the door section. You had to be like, Mm-mm, save it. I know. I know you can unlock that. Please stop. <laughs> don't do it. Don't do it. Yeah. Don't say it. We had to come all the you way know, across now just, because this is the only one you haven't been banned from. Don't do it. Don't do it, girl. Um, and then you know, just like any time she can explain she's claustrophobic. Like yeah. characters had to constantly you know we talked about this during the last uh episode, I think, or the last session at the very least. But how much comics have been hurt by that uh Stan Lee thing, like every comic could be somebody's first. Yeah. And and that really led to the medium uh, in terms of like Western comics having some uh, some real you know I love I love comic books but there's some real detriments because they're constantly reminding people of things that the the readers already know. Mm-hmm. Uh, this has only gotten better, but this was a huge deal. Every time I try to read anything from like the year twenty two thousand early or earlier, characters are constantly repeating their biography and their powers to each other to me. And it's just, it's really obnoxious and kills pacing. And you look at something. It's a weirdly paced comic. Like, I know it's unfair to hold up anything to something like Watchmen, but like, I think about the stories I heard when Watchmen was going around and like issues being passed around one by one. And like, they came out once a month and you know, the, the, you know, we're not going to really sum up anything that's been happening, right? Like we're just going to expect you to have read it and, and Marvel and, and superhero comics in general, just being kind of unwilling to do so. I, I, and I get like, 30 days between anything like we're spoiled with, you know, I can just download these on an app and, and, you know, I don't have to wait a year for deadly Genesis to wrap up. Right. Like I can just read that yeah. shit sitting on my couch in 20 minutes. I, you know, so we, I guess we are spoiled, but man, like, I feel like you can trust your audience a little bit more than that. And if like, you know, they don't re- quite remember something. You have the editor's notes or like go see ish, you know, 472 or whatever. Like you could go pull the issue yeah. out, but I, man, it just, it is extremely distracting when it happens, especially in like a kind of a microcosm of the two issues that this is where it's kind of its own weird little story almost. Yeah. So when it, when it happens, it feels very strange. Exactly. Yeah. You know, just, just the assumption that you will not know who these characters are, uh, is, is kind of permeates every panel and it's a big thing that has always bothered me with Claremont X-Men. Um, he never got over it. Like when I read his stuff in the two thousands, like when I read, uh, extreme X-Men and his disastrous Excalibur about Genosha, uh, and stuff, characters are still doing that. And I just feel like he never got better. You know, it's, it's not just a style thing. It's also something that was like an insecurity of the medium where, uh, they had to, it's like, we couldn't treat this like a story, like a serialized story. Um, we couldn't treat this like a book. We have to treat it like its own thing where characters, uh, you know, declare the back of their trading cards every time they see each other. And, 
you know, eventually stronger writers got over that. And that's why like Watchmen worked that way because Alan Moore was a better writer. You know, like Watchmen is a, is a generic thing to, to praise now, but it is really good. Like that's a great comic. Um, and just for the time it came out, it's fucking amazing. So, yeah, dude, I kind of want to go back and rewatch that HBO series again. I need to reread the comic before I, I do. I haven't so. watched it. I haven't watched it. I'm waiting for Lovecraft Country to get collected. And then I'm going to like do HBO Max for a month. That's a good idea. Watch both. It's a good idea. We're, uh, we're watching Lovecraft Country week to week and also listening to the companion podcast, uh, which is hosted by, uh, two women, one of, one of which is a writer on the show and one of which is a critic. And, um, and they're both black women. And so it's, it comes from like hearing conversations about like what they talked about in the writer's room and all of this other stuff is, is super, super interesting. Um, but at the same time, the writer is, I, I, I don't know how to say this without just saying it. She has the most Valley girl voice I've ever heard in my entire life. Like it's ah. literally like listening to somebody from clueless and she is extremely intelligent and like is on point with every, every single like argument that she is making about stuff. And I just like, and I got, I've gotten used to it over three episodes, but I like auto moored me. And she's like, I listened to the first episode and like one of the hosts' voice is kind of like, it's going to be kind of shocking. And like, I was like, Whoa, you were not wrong. That is an adjustment. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so let's get into uh, it. Yeah, this is uh, so this is Chris Claremont, as we talked about. We don't really have to say more about uh, Chris. Um, on art, we got John Byrne, uh, his longtime partner, the guy who uh helped design a bunch of uh, you know, what we know as the X Men. Yes, um, also like a, a famous crank, you know, a real cantankerous jerk. Uh, this is like 80s and 70s Marvel House style, mm -hmm. like early 80s, late 70s Marvel House style. And specifically the look of the X-Men. So like a lot of iconic X-Men images, yep. uh, including the cover to this, which is one of my favorite X-Men covers of all time. Yes. Um, Probably one of the, John, one of the John most Burns famous work. covers of all time. <clears throat> yeah. This is so good. Mm -hmm. um, this is, uh, so we're our cover. We have Wolverine. Uh, he's old. He's next to who, you know, Shadowcat. We don't know it's Shadowcat at this time. Uh, in front of a big poster saying uh, the status of the different X-Men. They've been killed or captured um by somebody who's shining a spotlight on him yeah and we can tell wolverine is old because he has uh gray in his hair like i do so this makes me feel like yep. super great to read a comic book it's like oh yeah <laughs> cool okay so that's the way okay all right got it um this is what you're gonna be like in the in your dark future jeremy exactly yeah in the, my dark future of 2013 i would pay to go back to 2013 yeah. <laughs> at this point just see if i yeah. could m make any difference in the world yeah. Maybe if I volunteered Dude. somewhere, <laughs> I could ch yeah. I could change something. <laughs> I'm gonna start campaigning for Bernie now. Three years before the, the election, <laughs> I'm gonna go back in time to assassinate Hillary Clinton so that we can have the Bernie. Oh. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding, everybody. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, you're gonna get added about that no matter how many times you say you just kidding. You think so? You think you got, you know, we got a bunch of like HRC yeah. stands like in the listen to the podcast? Like, man, they're they're around, dude. Like. It's weird. They're around. <laughs> There'll be a review that mentions it, I bet. I mean, hey, I voted for. I like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Hey, who, who didn't? It didn't fucking matter. Yeah. Um, the, uh, it doesn't make it feel better. Um, I feel like I'd so get... start off here. Uh, yeah, let's, let's, let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> we are 17 minutes into this episode, man. Yeah, we got to get, gotta gotta get into this. <clears throat> and it's a 38-page comic, so let's, let's get into yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so we start off with this picture of Kitty Pride uh, in the ruins uh, of the city. They do the thing where the title of the story is like printed on a billboard yep. behind. I, I love that. Me too. Uh, ruins of New York. Um, 
And uh, yeah, this is uh, it's things have gone to shit. It is post apocalypse. And uh, she's thinking to herself about when Logan is going to show up and uh, the narration welcomes us to the 21st century. So it doesn't actually give us a year yet, uh, but we know this is, you know, written in 1980. We know we're far in the future at this point. Yeah. Yep. Uh, So she runs into some like raiders. Uh, She calls them rogues, which I wouldn't have called them. One's wearing a top hat. Yes. I don't know why. Um, this is very like, she doesn't have her powers. <laughs> this is very like eighties gang uh, musical theater the to, to me, right? Yeah. This is very the warriors. Yeah. Yeah. Um, she doesn't have her powers. Uh, she has a, uh, a collar. Mm-hmm. Um, so she has to fight them hand to hand and, uh, the, the thugs get the upper hand, but then Wolverine pops up. Yeah. Um, I feel like these collars were new at this time. Like, and it's just such a, it's such a, like, terrifying device like i'm gonna put this i'm gonna snap this around your neck and you can't use your powers anymore like that's just so it's Mm -hmm. it immediately is like oh god like that's how they did all of this like because how would they imprison cyclops like oh they're gonna take his powers away yeah yeah yeah. i I don't know whether these were new at the time but they were definitely more uh novel Mm -hmm. you know now it's like the x-men lose their powers whenever it's convenient to the plot yeah and there are lots of ways they can do it uh, including the next issue where it happens or the next uh, series next we're series we're going to cover yep. where it happens when it's convenient yeah <laughs> um, um she she engages in some uh she she gets saved by logan um who refuses to pop his claws because he doesn't want the sentinels to know that he's there so, he, so he's kind of undercover yes. and he is delivering to her a jammer and uh yes that jammer will he says will be invisible to the sentinels uh and they're kind of talking about a plan that they are both working on and that hey you know you, you you've got phase one uh i've got phase two phase one definitely needs to be done by the time phase two starts up um yep and uh he's with the canadian resistance army which i love like claremont burn x-men respected canada in a way that no other pop culture piece of media ever has it's really great man it's really good to yeah. me <laughs> like this and letter kenny yeah. are like what we have what the canadians yeah, have yeah. <laughs> exactly <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> um so so she goes back and uh i love this thing she's going back to this camp like she w- lives in a prison camp mm-hmm. uh she has to check in with this uh sentinel that can tell if she's being if she's lying or not and she has to walk through a graveyard of her friends and other superheroes yeah um, and this is literally Ben Grimm's here. And this is literally a concentration camp. Um, like this is yeah. this is this is exactly like you know this this is as bad as it gets, y'all. Like we're they are putting mutants in here to be slaughtered. A weird uh, thing to me is like the Sentinels have taken over the government, and apparently they've just taken away technology because they're pulling buses around with horses. Did you see that at the top? At the top? Like it is just yeah, it's, it's such a weird of thing yeah. co- combination of like what they used to have versus what it is now, and like. Who's taking care of those horses? Like, what are we doing? Yeah, I don't know. This is, yeah. Gotta get Autumn to be the consultant on these <laughs> future cast, the horse consultant for the future. Um, so she goes in and checks in with her resistance, the remaining X-Men. Yes. I uh, hear. So, and there are very many of them. Uh, Wolverine, who's with the Canadian resistance army. So she's not here. Uh, Shadowcat, who goes by Sprite at this point. Storm. Uh, Colossus. And then they're also with uh, Franklin Richards, uh, who, who gets a bad deal. Yeah, uh, in this comic, gets killed pretty quick. I um, um the Franklin Richards is such a weird character. Like he keeps popping up and stuff that we're covering for, and like disappearing almost immediately. Like it was weird to see him as a baby in Age of Apocalypse that had like no reason to be there, and then now he just shows up here as um, 
as somebody's boyfriend, right? Rachel Rachel's, Rachel's boyfriend. Yeah. Rachel Summers. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. They, they, they're really trying to make Franklin Richards a thing. And he was for a little while. Like he created a universe where all the superheroes went after they killed Onslaught and all kinds of dumb shit. Um, but now he's just here to get killed uh, in a couple of pages. Yeah. Um, and they're more or less kind of, uh, led by Magneto who rolls up in a wheelchair as kind of a fake out. Yeah. You know, you're like, uh Oh, wheelchair, but we've already seen Charles Xavier's grave. Nope. Magneto has lost his spine. And I think like, something. I feel like this was the first time too, that we, you saw anything of Magneto other than like the hammy villain stuff, right? Like this is the first time you've ever seen them on a, on the same team, right? Oh, no, no. Like, they, they've they been doing, there have been stuff in the, I feel like, in the late 70s that kind of hinted towards that. Okay. I feel like. This is before he joined the team and, like, taught the new mutants and shit. Yeah, like, I knew that. I think yeah. that Claremont had started working on the, the Magneto redemption a little bit. Um, This was still, like, jarring, but I don't think it was necessarily the first one. I could be wrong about that, though. Um, It's also, I um, think, notable that, like, Rachel does not, is not named Rachel Summers yet. Like, she's just Rachel in this, and, like, they don't really have any she doesn't she's not really given a whole lot to do like she's going to become so much more important later but like right in this comic book like you would think like oh she has red hair and she's a telepath obviously she's related to gene gray because that's how claremont slash x-men work but like in the, you wouldn't know that from the story yeah um colossus has reed richard's hair yep which is really confusing because mm-hmm. um, i thought that was definitely franklin richards for a while um, you know, they talked about, uh, they, they basically say like, this is our one shot. We have to do this. This has to work. You know, Kitty Pride's like, yeah, the Sentinels killed my friends. They also killed my babies, like my children, you know, uh, there, there are a couple at this point. Um, Franklin makes the, uh, takes the little, tiny little device, the jammer to unlock everyone's powers. And what they're going to do is use Rachel's, uh, psychic abilities to send Kitty Pride back in time to her younger self. Yes. Um, that is part A of the plan. Yes. Um, and it works, but we're, yep. we're not going to know that because, uh, first we're going to go back to the current timeline, which is Halloween 1980. Um, I was probably just starting to be an itch in my daddy's pants at this point. I think like mm-hmm. I was, I was almost born at this point. Um, Kitty walks into a little, little, go ahead. One month old Gary Butterfield reading this comic yes <laughs> popped out and went, Mystique's dialogue. <laughs> <laughs> why are they talking down to me i'm a baby <laughs> not an idiot why quamont talk to down to baby gary uh, <laughs> baby gary understand subtext <laughs> can't be worried about upcoming election <laughs> wagon gonna get elected go boom boom uh, uh Kitty Pride walks into a now young Kitty Pride walks into a danger room session uh, where the the main X Men team, which at this point is the leader of Storm, we have Angel, Wolverine, and Colossus, um, and they yeah. and they are in like high like high danger room mode basically. And I love this that is so fucking funny. This like, is so wild. The door man. was unlocked. <laughs> like she she walks into the training session because the door was unlocked and they tell her like the door is always unlocked like you should know that or whatever uh but at this point like kitty is relatively new to the team and so she actually hasn't been in the danger room so she's this is all new to her and when the danger room starts reacting to her and basically starts starts trying to murder her they all have to you know save her while protecting themselves and also somebody has to get to the one button because there's a panic button instead of you know everything Mm -hmm. being you know voice controlled at this point this is back when the the danger room was just robots yeah 
uh, prior to it being like Shi'ar hard light technology. Stuff. Siri, shut down the danger room, please. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, Alexa, no danger room, please. Um, so, so they're going to, and they're, this is, man, everybody is narrating every possible thing yes. that has ever happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, Colossus moves out of the way from like a wall crusher to save her. And just, uh, this is, this is the dialogue. I'm not going to do this every time or more than this time, but I just want to point out for people who are not familiar with comics of this era. This is one panel of him running. This is serious. The harder we fight, the more difficult the tests become. And splitting our concentration between ourselves and Kitty will only make us more vulnerable. For protect Kitty we must, protect her we shall. I cannot catch her in my armored form. The impact might injure her. I must become human and hope that the danger room does not take advantage of me. Uh, that's just one panel of him running for like a millisecond. That's one step. That's one step. Yep. <laughs> I wish I could think but this protect fast. protect Kitty we must, protect her we shall. Yeah, everybody thinks like, like that. Every- <laughs> yeah. Uh, he goes and catches Kitty, uh, and the Nightcrawler turns everything off. Yes. So, because uh, since he can teleport, uh, but they almost get killed. That would have been, uh, you know, rough stuff. Um, and this is early on, you know, as we, when we covered the uh, Pride of the X-Men thing, Kitty Pride did not initially like Nightcrawler. She was very put off by, yeah. by him. And it's, it's time for her. So they, they, it's time for her test, which like this was scheduled to be her first danger room test. And she's extremely nervous about it. But, you know, all of the tests basically are some form of hitting her and she just phases and nothing hits her. And, like, I kind of really love the fact that everybody in the danger room, like, control panel is just cracking the fuck up. Like, Wolverine specifically says, he's just, like, cackling. He's, like, Morph is around, right? Like, this is one of Morph's (laughs) routines. He's like, man, Charlie, like, spent weeks programming this and she just walked through it without a fucking, without without any sweat whatsoever. No sweat. I also, man, I love the idea of Professor Xavier staying up late to program this and be like hmm after hours of consideration what if a ball hit her oh dude like you know <laughs> like if you look at the stuff it's just like there's ropes there's uh there's balls hmm. what if metal ropes kind of waved <laughs> around at her a little bit <laughs> it's taken me six days to come up with this cutting stratagem um it's really good i also i love uh in that post in that panel where everybody's having a good time in the danger room uh control room i love storm's posture it looks like like this looks like a documentary about um like Grace Slick or something. Sure. Okay. <laughs> like, just like yeah. or just like like over a mixing board, just like it's that uh it's that picture of future, right? With his braids back and his glasses on where he's over the mixing board. Like yeah. that's 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 what I'm thinking of here, of him just of of her just like getting real into it. But she's having a a, a really good time. Everybody is. Um, this is the best time thing that happens with the X-Men in these two issues. And that is um, when Kitty from the future, when her conscious self um, kind of basically meets up with her younger self. And they, the narration goes out of its way to be like, and they like uh, somehow see each other before um, older Kitty takes over. And it specifically says like, you know, we have no idea what happens to younger Kitty during this process. <laughs> like, wow, RIP <laughs> the little girl, huh, guys? <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, I thought it would have been really interesting if they would have swapped. Yeah, me too. Like, I'm mm-hmm. really, I think that it was a real missed opportunity because that would have been really neat. You know, if, if like, young Kitty had to deal with, like, oh, shit, you know. Um, and she's unconscious this whole time, even if they just made her catatonic because she's like, yeah, everyone's dead. Yeah. This could have been a cool character turn for her. But uh, so they, they spent a lot of time talking about what might have happened uh, until eventually she wakes up and she's really shocked to see everyone alive, specifically Kurt. Uh, and this is, you know, ironic because she didn't like him as a young person, but now she loves him. Uh, she's hugging him. 
and she basically just spills the beans immediately. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, like she's like Rachel. They're like, "Who's Rachel?" And she's like, "Oh no, no, wait, wait. You know, you don't call me this anymore. I'm from the fe- I'm from thirty years in the future." Like they just explain it, which is really refreshing. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's there's no uh, no horse shit. Yeah, like you know? this. There's no like you know we we've got to deal with twenty pages of is Bishop telling the truth, <laughs> right? Exactly. Yeah. And yeah. Storm is basically just like, okay, look, like the easiest way to fi- to fix this is to take you to where Charles Xavier is, which is like the linchpin of your whole story anyway, so that he can just read your mind and like get this done. And they do. They just Warren calls up his private plane because <laughs> he's the yep. rich dude in the family, and they all jump the jet to Washington D.C. Yep. Uh, and while this uh, is going on, she explains how the days of future past happened. Yes. Um, essentially, uh, a bigot got into office. A 1984 rabbit anti-mutant candidate was elected. They made the Mutant Control Act. Um, and, uh, you know, it was struck down, but the administration responded by reactivating Sentinels. Um, and Sentinels decided the best way to protect mankind from mutants was to get rid of all superheroes and to totally control mankind. How much do you love this so, this panel of the superhero faces with the X's over them? Like, yeah, yeah. I kind of want to like it would maybe a little macabre, but I kind of want to do like one of like a version of this for all of the Duck Feet host one day. Like, for, <laughs> <laughs> just 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 all of us like looking in various directions and the X's over our face. <laughs> I thought you said you it might be a little macabre, but I'm planning to get a confusing tattoo. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it really strange. Like, oh, so you don't like Doctor Doom, but you also also don't like uh, the thing, and I oh, you don't like any of them, huh? Okay. <laughs> the tattoo artist gets offended when I get to Ghost Rider. Now, come on, man, <laughs> yeah, come, on. come on. He man. was cool. He's cool. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, um, and she's obviously so she, extremely upset about all of this, right? Like, you know, she's you know, we fought for so long and we still lost, and she just breaks down into um tears as she tells them like rachel who was a telepath sent them back uh and this is where we flick back over to 2013 and our crew is running away uh they've had to leave magneto behind to try to protect them which you know again like i feel like reading this and remembering the movie days of future past right like that that scene kind of like that we got that awesome scene of ian mckellen you know protecting everybody Mm -hmm. um but this is where the, the Sentinels find them and just immediately roast Franklin and not like comedy yeah. roast Franklin, which I would be kind of here for. <laughs> like I'm not saying Franklin's dad's a prick. But, um, yeah, no, he immediately gets uh, murdered. I don't see um, your mom at night either. Franklin. <laughs> um, Franklin Richards is like an omnipath. Like he, he has control over reality. Uh, I don't know if that's been revealed at this point. Um, but he's he's one of the most powerful people in the entire Marvel universe. But he already just gets killed by a Sentinel immediately. I love it. Um, so you know, they're running away. Uh, the Sentinels are very also Claremonty, like the the Selmonts or the the Sentinels are also very like wordy in a way that's really frustrating and dumb. Um, and we just get a little fight uh, with the X Men. They do a fastball special. You know, mm-hmm. it's been a long time. What well, as Nightcrawler used to say, you know, it's it's very uh, nostalgic. Uh, but they end up taking him out. There's a really great uh, thing where Colossus runs into a building and knocks a building on three Sentinels. I really love those uh, those panels. Yeah, I like that too a, a lot. I like the idea. This is always fun when they combine their powers to some degree. Like I think me and you both are really into that when Wolverine like mm-hmm. opens up the the Sentinel skull so that Storm can run over and shoot some light inside it and basically turn the the AI chips to slag. Um, like that's that's really cool. Like that's a good use of like tactics basically. Mm-hmm. 
Um, we go back to 1980, uh, and in like a UN in the Pentagon, uh, here, um, a woman, uh, who was actually a mystique goes into a room where her crew is waiting. The Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. This is uh, a, and I love the fashion. This is very uh, much, so much. Uh, like Mystique going like, hey, I know a place. And then she brings you here, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, this like groovy lounge. Dude. Uh, is, this is incredible. I love this. I love this. Uh, yeah. We've got Destiny um, and Avalanche and Pyro and Blob, all of the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. And we probably don't need to explain what all of their powers are. Like, those are all pretty, pretty obvious. Well, they're they're going to fight for two more issues <laughs> also that yell their powers so um we can do it then and blob has a pretty big issue because he was the only original member of the brotherhood of evil mutants and so he has issues taking orders from a woman uh and he yeah and he wants to throw a big fit about it yep uh there's some low-key sexism he he uh this is just them demonstrating their powers yep you know mm-hmm. he uh he lights a cigar but pyro turns into a monster pyro like the way the pyro looks in this, it's very like Austin Powers. Yes, yeah. Like it's in- incredible. Like, and he's British. Like uh, pyro is extremely strange in this. Um, you know, Avalanche has a sensible sweater at least, but everybody else looks fucking wild. Uh, Avalanche dissolves the sculpture. Mystique yells, and again that purple prose. Like I'm not Magneto, but if you cross me in any way, you can be. Uh, I can be as implacable and deadly, you know, as the master of magnetism ever was. You know, very Shakespearean. That kind of stuff. We cut over to uh, Senator Kelly, kind of giving his speech um, about uh, mutant right stuff. You know um, how they're horrible, how their abilities put them above the rest of humanity. And Moria McTaggart and Charles Xavier are there mm-hmm. uh, again uh, in the closet. Like nobody knows Charles is a mutant at this point. Um, he is just like a mutant expert. Yes. Um, and he sees the X Men come in in plain clothes. He's like, uh, something must be wrong, contacts them telepathically, and uh, Storm tells him what's going on. This, um, There's a couple of things on this page that I like. Like the, the narration basically saying, like, kind of calling in question what the Senate is useful for. <laughs> Just being like, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes it's really good and sometimes it's really bad. And, like, we're going to put that to the test today. Like, it's, it's, a, it's a real interesting kind of commentary. And then at the end of this, when he's... He, when he telepathically communicates with when Xavier telepathically communicates with storm, he says, you know, it'll be quicker if you just open your mind to me and I can read your thoughts. And she, it says overcoming an instinctive flash of reluctance and distaste storm does as she is told. And I'm like, mm, she is told. I don't yeah. like that. Like, imagine if your boss was like, okay, like <laughs> you gotta, you gotta open your mind to me. <laughs> Give me your password. Do you remember that yeah, Fuji song where uh, I think it's Wyclef is like the, his bo- he's working at the Burger King and his boss is like, hey, I'll promote you to manager, but you have to snitch on all your crew. And he's like, I'm not working for you. <laughs> like it's very much that. <laughs> <laughs> Except Xavier is the manager of the Burger King and Wyclef is Storm, obviously. So. Yeah, obvious in this metaphor. It's <laughs> very Wyclef obvious, I think. Storm. <laughs> obvious. Um, the, the Senate hearing goes on. Uh, there's a weird Claremont obsession with the media and NPR specifically. That always happens in Chris Claremont comics where there's always some like NPR celebrities he liked mm-hmm. getting cameos, which is very funny. Um, as this is happening, uh, the building, the walls explode because uh, Avalanche is here to uh, to fuck everybody up. And he's brought the uh, the whole crew yep. uh, to fight. But the X-Men happen to be there, unlike in Kitty's timeline. Yes. So it'll be a fight instead of just a uh, a slaughter. Um, I had not remembered Avalanche's costume from this time period. Uh, boy, it is it bad. Um, yep. Uh, Destiny's is pretty rough as well. Yeah. Uh, 
like a weird you know? conehead situation? What is she doing? What's happening over there? She looks like she's in the Shi'ar royal guard, like Mantis. Or she Manta? looks exactly like Shi'ar Mantis, guard. right? Yeah. 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 It's not a good look. Not though. at all. And her weird gold mask. Uh, yeah. Destiny's a weird fucking character. I don't think it's uh, Bob um, the classic. I think it's in the like. in the next issue that you can see like the the gold mask doesn't have eyes <laughs> either. Yeah, it's like okay, like definitely call out her one weakness, friends. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and that's uh, that's issue one of this. Mm-hmm. Uh, to remind everybody, next issue we're going to be closing out this storyline. Then we're going to be covering over six issues, uh, not the five we originally planned. X Men Deadly Genesis, yes. uh, which means we're going to put off doing X Men number one. A little while. Yeah, but that's okay. Uh, we'll get to it eventually. Um, if you've liked yep. this and you want to support the show and the network, you can do so at patreon.com slash TV. You get all, all sorts of cool benefits over there. So to go and check all of that stuff out. Come chat with us on the Slack or get episodes early and all that stuff. We really appreciate it. Um, if you can't do that, that's fine. Ratings, reviews, or just straight up telling your friends about the podcast would really help. Yeah, all that stuff is really useful and we appreciate it all. Yep. Uh, thanks everybody, and we'll see you in a bit. Bye.